Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture. Join one of the Dudley Boys from What Culture. Michael Sidgwick here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Uh, where we do daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Collision, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete. Another bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick to review AEW Dynamite. We are on the road to AEW Revolution, of course, in well, just over a week. I suppose it actually technically is in around... Nine days! How are you feeling about that and this show? I think this is the best build to a pay-per-view that Tony Khan has managed in genuinely two years. Yeah. Genuinely two years. Revolution 2022 being the last one. Everything after that was either cursed, <laughs> flat, basic, wasteful. Just It was never like great. Obviously, the events, more often than not, were utterly phenomenal. Mm. But this is the first time in two years where... I think I'm starting to truly get the feeling back. And this show, this specific episode of Dynamite, is something I'd been crying out for a lot throughout 2023, where it's like, I would much rather have a show where the wrestling isn't fantastic, because I know it will be the next show. Mm. Like, we've got Danielson Akiyama, like, on Saturday. Mm. I, I know we've got Revolution. Look how stacked it is. That's never I never really get anxious about match quality. This week, I got really like deeper emotional investment in two separate storylines. And there's one character that I thought was finished and now potentially back on the comeback trail. So the most encouraging dynamite of the year, if not the best. Mm, and a very intriguing development in terms of a... Match announcement for AW Revolution that I've got no idea about. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, in, oh, yeah. In due course. Oh, yeah. Because uh, the show opened. They've played with this quite a bit now. They, two weeks ago was the time limit draw, wasn't it? Then they had uh, Mox and Dax last week. And then, obviously, here we had FTR uh, versus the BCC being represented, of course, by John Moxley and Claudio. Um, I was a bit concerned about Cash Wheeler early on. They were sort of back and forth. And then Mox did some headbutts. And I thought... Is, this, is he all right? Because he casually just disappeared. The referee, I think, was checking on him, and then it looked like he had a big welt on his head. Yeah. I don't know what was going on there? But regardless, um, they go out to the floor. 
Harwood uh, sort of takes the bullet for for Cash. He shoves him out of the way, eats a Moxley tope, and so Wheeler sends Moxley into the steps. Uh, Castagnoli just runs wild, as he always does. Uh, a double back suplex off the back of that. We're going to do it! <laughs> <laughs> There's two of them, but they're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, double back suplex. Oh, my God. Um, Harwood goes after Mox on the floor, but he basically hit, gets hit with a stuffed pile driver with Claudio jumping off the apron. That takes us to our first picture-in-picture. Picture. Uh, Harwood gets isolated throughout that entire thing, but he breaks free from Claudio, gets over to Wheeler, and Wheeler just runs wild as he comes in. He spins out of a paradigm shift into a brain buster for two. Um, and... This is where I start getting, not w- worried, but it starts getting more and more frantic, not just to, in terms of in-ring action, but me going, come on, you run out. I think it was the five-minute call from Justin Roberts. Um, Castagnoli saves Mox from a shatter machine, but Mox doesn't see a blind tag from Harwood and gets hit with an assisted powerbomb for two. FTR want the powerplex. Ca- uh, Claudio uppercuts Wheeler out of the corner, but Harwood manages to avoid a doomsday device. Post Castagnoli hit his part of the powerplex, but uh, Mox gets the knees up when Cash comes off the top. Castagnoli immediately puts on a giant swing to Harwood, and Moxley uh, drop kicks in mid-revolution. Hammer and anvil elbows. Moxley gets him in a bulldog choke. Uh, Claudio chokes Wheeler, but he falls back onto the pile to break uh, break it all up, and we've got two minutes remaining at this point. Uh, Dax and Mox slug it out. Harwood gets the shoot, sharpshooter locked in, so Claudio puts one on uh, Cash, and they just have a slap battle until they both just let their submissions go. Um, Harwood hits Claudio with a pile driver. Mox almost gets the pin off a crucifix out of nowhere for two. Oh, my God. Um, Mox gets sent off the ropes and is about to get hit with the shatter machine and out of nowhere the bell sounds um, the crowd are furious the wrestlers are furious as well there's a chance that they should you know, go another five minutes and what have you um, and it looks like they might be heading in that direction and then they just start brawling the entire locker room entries they have, to, they have to be separated and they just keep going at it and going at it and going at it and you sort of know and I'm sort of fine with it that well we're not getting it now but we're probably going to get it at the pipe. Well, we are. We are pretty much yeah. all but confirmed, I would say. Look, I've talked about how I'm not a big fan of the Blackpool Combat Club as a collective. John Moxley's kind of overexposed, and because they like to go along a lot, and they did here, FTR, it felt personally for me last year that I'd seen enough FTR matches to last a lifetime. Mm. I'm shocked at how much I love this food mm. and how much I love this match. I don't know what it is specifically because, you know, it's nothing daring. It's nothing I've not seen in terms of the format. And really, like, an all-tweener affair of who's the hardest, it sounds like a little bit drab and, like, almost Capital Wrestling Center pilled. (laughs) And yet, just the tone is so great that just pissy, angry, like, hard-hitting testosterone... I don't know if it's just refreshing because of the friendship direction was taken last year or what, but I'm just mad, mad into it. Obviously, the quality of work is outstanding, but I just never felt, like even when they were doing the more ostentatious sort of action set pieces, like the double back suplex, mm. like the the trade-off of reversals and the kind of things you would see in a wrestling match and not a fight, I never lost that tone. Um, I really loved that spot where they had the stereo sharpshooters yeah. on, and then they just started slapping the piss out of each <laughs> other because the hatred just consumed them in that, mo- uh, in that moment. 
they were more concerned with hitting each other and hurting each other and proving that they had the biggest kick mm. than they were winning the match because it just that sense of overwhelming emotion and hatred in this match was just articulated beautifully in that spot, which was very much the kind of thing that FTR like to do. And sometimes it can fall a little bit posy for me, a little bit of a tick box. But I think the tone was just adhered to throughout that I didn't really mind it at all. In fact, it was just elevated by the tone and everything else. And goddamn Cash Wheeler wrestling <laughs> like a man possessed. Mm. Just great, great character work. He obviously, in storyline and in reality, loves Dax Harwood. He's his brother for life. He's mm. tag team partner. And Moxley, with that transgression last week, of I'm just going to keep choking you. I don't care how dangerous it is. Like, cutting off the supply to his best mate's brain, he's obviously going to wrestle like a man possessed. Like, even in his footwork and the way he sprinted about the place, you could feel the hatred just mm. radiating off him. Uh, this is awesome. I understand that them doing, what, two draws in three weeks? Probably a bit much. But maybe they're really just trying to hammer home the... Um, this device that they've fallen back in love with. And again, it's part of that new sort of initiative, if you like, to remember AEW, the way you liked it. Well, it's back. We're yeah. going to do time limit draws. We're going to tease time limit draws. Yeah, the panic if you get now, that, uh, in the next yeah. month, two months, six months, arguably. Anytime Justin Roberts says five minutes remaining, you're like, oh no, we need a finish to this. Yeah, so they've really reestablished that urgency. Um, I would argue maybe FTR could have won. Mm-hmm because they are the tag team specialists. Um, but, you know, I don't mind because more of this is more than welcome. I love this match. I, I, FTR and John Moxley, back in my good books. Yeah, we, we saw a little bit later on, uh, Marvez tries to chat to FTR, who basically say we were a few seconds away, effectively, from winning, and then the BCC come in, and we don't officially get the match announced for Revolution, but it's going to happen, like you say. Yeah, you we, know, sometimes, like, wonky stuff is better. Yeah. If it's the... If it's janky, it's better than polish. Mm. Hence why I don't really like WWE's presentation that much. <laughs> I might have said that a couple of times. Dax Holwood was kind of unable to just have no composure whatsoever. He was just saying these things and couldn't even get his words out quickly enough. And I like that. Mm. He's meant to be having experienced that adrenaline dump or like just in the state of flooded with adrenaline. Of course, he's not going to cut like a really composed promo. I really like the the, the fact that he... It's not a computer game. If you press a button to, to do a move in a computer game, it'll just do it. Like, he got mocks up for the shatter machine, and you could, like, it was like a physical embodiment of him going, oh, because he just dropped, because Cash's like, okay, here we go. And the bell rings, and they're like, oh, yeah. There's no point now. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I really like that. And you and I were talking yesterday about that revolution card and saying it's kind of perfect. You don't really need any more matches to be added, but the ones that do get added, I hope, and, uh, necessary rather than just let's try and get 10 matches on the card. We've had a few more added and I think all of them are, uh, are I, justified. I, I cannot wait for the show. Mm. This is the most I've felt like I cannot wait. All in London was different because I was going. Mm. This is the first time in a few, couple of years now where I'm like, oh, this show is going to be amazing and I can't wait to see it. Uh, Renee's backstage with Orange Cassidy runs through the, the wars he's been, he's been through and how the best friends have been taken out and all these issues with the kingdom and uh, Texas death, obviously, last week, and there's Doc uh, Samson, who unfor says, unfortunately or fortunately, he's, he has met the minimal medical clearance, so he can wrestle tonight. And he's like, well, fair enough. Um, 
<laughs> Renee Paquette says, that's insane. He's like, well... Sometimes you got to do it. Um, so he's taking Trent's spot in the match uh, a little bit later on with Mike Bennett. Briefly on this, um, I did appreciate the idea. It was like a good, you know, there's a good and bad version of everything. This was a good exposition dump. Mm. It required a lot of dexterity from Rene Paquette, who did a tremendous job. The idea of it going on and on and on and on and on worked in its favor because it really established, oh, Jesus Christ, he has been through the wars, but at the same time, the sequencing of doing a Mike a match with Mike Bennett after last week just felt like yeah didn't feel like it was an escalation yeah and I suppose they sort of rubbed that in by saying and he's gone to London to to promote all in and he did the yeah I guess it just they did a lot of work to make it feel more convincing than it felt to me mm. watching the match if Ronnie Strong doesn't win this title of the baby he's a loser pack it in. Uh, because we got, yeah, uh, after the Rev Pro stuff and, and all that, we got the match between uh, Bennett and Cassidy. Uh, Cassidy's not messing about. He charged up the ramp, ducks a belt shot from Bennett and levels table with a Superman punch. Uh, but Bennett quickly takes over when they get in the ring. Cassidy comes back with a Stun Dog Millionaire and a spinning DDT. So Roddy hits the ring, distracts the ref. Uh, long enough for Mike Bennett to just punch Orange Cassidy right in the dick. Uh, hit a pile driver for two. We go to a break. Bennett's on commentary saying how bloody great he is, but that's allowed Orange Cassidy to recover, and he hits multiple dives. So Bennett fires back with a spine buster up on the apron and a Death Valley driver on the floor. Um, but he, t- again, takes too long to follow up. Cassidy uh, hits a sort of desperation orange punch. Um, goes for a beach break. Bennett fights out of it and hits a gotch-style pile driver for a two-count. Um, big elbows. Um, but he counters, does Cassidy, a third pile driver attempt into beach break out of nowhere for the win. The bell rings. Um, Matt Taven immediately hits the ring with Roderick Strong. They're going to finish him off, basically. They hold him in position when who should make the save? But hometown hero, Jake Hager, who's <laughs> who's suddenly the saviour of Orange Cassidy for some reason. He got a great pop, to be fair. I mean, I, I get a great pop when I walk out in heaven, but, you know, <laughs> no one wants to see me on Rampage. So the, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, right, quick thing on the match and then the post-match. Yes, I understand that through Renee Paquette being brilliant at her job and reminding the audience... Been through the ringer, he's been through the wars. It still didn't feel like an escalation to work. With all due respect, mm-hmm. Mike Bennett, who's very, very good at what he does. Yes. But my God, this was as dynamite as dynamite gets. And I was just a little bit, you know, when you like really stop to think about it, it's like, Jesus Christ, this promotion is like five years old. Yeah. And that feels a bit surreal. When you watch a match like this, you're like, yeah, yeah, it's five years old. <laughs> it's five years old. Like, incredibly dynamite pilled this match. So you have. Established star takes on someone who is way further down the card, but it's more back and forth than you'd expect. That's very dynamite. Established star works stablemate of main rival. That's very, very dynamite. And then he got a lot of spots that are more synonymous with dynamite than I guess most other wrestling TV shows. Like there's apron stuff, there's stuff on the floor, there's even more poor officiating the normal it was just very 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 familiar technically accomplished as you would expect but the reaction was polite and i got it it's like yeah i'm got a real interest in this it's obligatory i get it you need something for cassidy to do i was very much fighting the urge to do wordle during this one (laughs) and they're working really hard yeah i felt like an arsehole but that was the reality of the situation in my experience of it the post-match 
Hager's Hager, right? I'm a little bit less harsh on the guy than most. Because I remember his tag team work, which say. is quite good. I might have mentioned that before. What pissed me off about this, right? It's like, not all, like two things really annoyed me. Number one, Orange Cassidy has got 104 friends. <laughs> How many? Orange Cassidy's friends with him? Yeah. How often did we see this last year? He teamed with Keith Lee, El Hijo del Vikingo, Katsuyori Shibata, best friends, Eddie Kingston, Penta, who was kind of in a grudge feud with for the previous three years. But let's forget about that. We need to, do, we need to get a lot of names on the all-in card for Stadium Stampede. Hook, mm. Darby Allen, a million friends Orange Cassidy has. And now Jake Hager's his pal as well. It's like, for God's sake, what a weird running bit. I don't know if I like it very much. <laughs> I mean... Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. Gives you a match for next week before the pipe. What? Gives you a match for next week. Tag oh, match. Oh, shut up, man. Don't give them any friggin' ideas. Saying. And what annoys me as well. So Hager comes out, right, and he clears house, and then you do the reaction shot of the Undisputed Kingdom. Not Jake Hager. <laughs> I think more than one person had that same reaction. No offense, but not Jake Hager. The second that the Undisputed Kingdom break free and run for cover. We've just heard from Tony Khan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's going to be uh, Jake Hager versus Roderick Strong on Rampage this week. And there was a match graphic. <laughs> what? <laughs> How did he make that in that amount of time? The gap that I've just done there. Yeah. How have you made it? I don't even think you can prompt AI. You couldn't even type Hager, Rampage, this date, match graphic. Yeah. Unless... And maybe I do overthink things at times, right? What if they have got a match graphic, right, for every single permutation, for every single show on every single date, and they just go, uh, <laughs> bang. Even then, you still have to go to a drop-down. Yeah. H for Hager, S for Strong, R for Rampage, today's <laughs> date. Make a match graphic. You still can't do it in time. <laughs> How fake was this? I can't get sloppy shop. <laughs> I was infuriated, irrationally infuriated by how quickly that match graphic was created. Yeah, I think that'll be a tag match next week. Suck my gag. He's he's got. He was wearing sunglasses. Cassidy. Tony Schiavone's allowed to wear the sunglasses. Shabbat is allowed to sun, wear the sunglasses. Jake Hager can have a uh, have his hat. <laughs> yeah. Right, Renee. Get it? You know what? I'm being a complete knob. After years and years and years of oh, hometown is a get the f out of here. <laughs> yes, exactly. Get the f out of here. It's nice and it's rampage. Who gives a toss, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's nice that more often than not, someone gets a nice time in the hometown. An inoffensive rampage match to just keep Roderick Strong in the mix. But that match graphic, I just get irrationally annoyed by the most trivial of matters. I'll I'll always love Jake Hager for suddenly being like. Contract season, is it? Time to get ripped. <laughs> we were like, I ah, give him another contract to be fair. <laughs> Look at the size of him. I didn't say that. Um, Renee Baquette's backstage with Angelo Parker. He's got his date with Ruby Soho. I forgot this was still going on, if I'm perfectly honest. Oh, it's been on Rampage yeah, the whole figured. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Soho walks in in a dress uh, and she says, You ready to go? And the, it's nice white car pulls up. She's like, Oh, is this for us? He's like, No, we get another, we get a lift. Um, and that would have been a nice bit of. <clears throat> Deft dovetailing booking 
if it wasn't for the <coughs> absolute vibe ruiner that followed. Mm. So we, I was like, oh, who's going to step out the car? And they do the, the close in on the foot stepping out. It's Ric Flair. It's not Ric Flair. It's Gwumpy Ric Flair. <laughs> yes. Apologies, it is indeed Gwumpy Ric Flair. Uh, because I think we went to a break or something. Anyway, Renee Paquette catches up with him. Uh, like, hey, Sting, Revolution, you know, not long now. And he's like, oh, I'm kind of pissed off. I'm not a bigger part of all this. I'm not upset as Sting, but I'm kind of disappointed I haven't been around or used in the last few weeks. So I'm going to go and explore some oh, options. I why. <laughs> I'm going to explore some options. And he, uh, yeah, he pops to visit the Young Bucks. Saying, have you got time to talk? And they welcome him in. And they close the door on the camera. So we've no idea what's being discussed. Aye. For me, I don't like to think about it. But I did think, oh, it's probably a ruse on the part of the baby faces, right? <laughs> if, in fact, it's an earnest development and Ric Flair's turning heel... And the young books decide, oh, yeah, we could do with them. Ric Flair. What? Oh, God, Ric Flair's no. chops look abysmal, right? And even if it's like, obviously, you know, he's an octogenarian. We're not relying on him to do a run-in when he can't even shuffle hardly now. We want him for his mind. The dirtiest player in the game. And maybe he knows some old tricks and Sting's weaknesses. Can't even fucking talk now. Do you, do you fucking make out what he was saying? He's a little bit more. He's like an aged South Park character. You know when they really go to like studs up and like, come on, old people can talk a little bit. Yeah. That's Ric Flair now. Yeah, he's a living South Park character made of ham. And beyond all of that, right? He's a creep. He has no place in wrestling anymore. Okay? Mm -hmm. Beyond that, ah, oh, me, you know, 38-year-old bloke, he's ruining the vibe of, this, of the storyline I'm into. Shouldn't be around women. So mm -hmm. who cares about me and my thoughts on this? Like, there's a more serious matter to contend with, and it's like you shouldn't be around the limelight. We know what happens when Ric Flair feels like he's a star and he's untouchable and he's bathing in this television glow. Yes, I hate it. I hate it all. Yeah, it's one of those where I can see uh, the young bucks trying to get more heel heat. Like, no one's been happy about, like, oh, thank God we've got those big woo energy signs at the entrance. Like, if the young bucks came out and they're sipping woo energy and, like, oh, this is some bloody good stuff, that's, this. Like, that works. But, like you say, in it, for the trade off of what we're getting instead, it's not worth it. And uh, it's really annoying because there's something else on the show where it's like, I couldn't be more hyped and worried about this match in equal measure. Sting's health. Mm. There's always a bit of a concern. The fact that Flair's involved. And it's such a shame because between Sting's promo and that angle from yeah. two weeks ago, it's like this is perfect, perfect babyface versus heel TV. Just and Ric Flair's there to ruin it all. The, the, the thought process as well of Sting's won the tag titles with his you know, little prodigy, Darby Allen. His little prodigy, <laughs> you dick. I was about to say his little son, but then I was like, no, his sons were literally there. Yeah. But he's done that. His sons were there. They've been destroyed, like you say, by the young bucks. We didn't know what was to come, but that also happens. It's this big farewell, and Ric Flair's like, yeah, but what about me and all this? I'll tell you what, it is possibly the most believable story yeah. AEW have ever <laughs> yeah. told. Of course Ric Flair is going to be going, oh, well, I'm the center of attention, so why aren't I not involved more? That's very much Ric Flair. 
I'm surprised he's even, like, sort of self-aware enough to go along with it. And I, maybe, you know what, LTSD, maybe this is the plan all along, because when he first turned up in AEW, he had a face like a smacked ass yes. being the supporting cast member for Sting. And we thought whether or not he, he'd looked, gone he never looked buzzing, did he? <laughs> like he'd gone into business for himself, where he's like, "I'm there every step of the way." And he's like, "Is this been approved?" Or? Yeah. Oh, God. Maybe he just heard the word retirement and thought, "All oh, right, retirement. Okay, fair enough. We have got loads of them to go." Yeah. Anyway, uh, Tony Schiavone welcomes Daniel Garcia to the ring. Uh, talks about what happened last week, obviously with Adam Copeland, and uh, says, "Look." You're getting a TNT title match at Revolution against Christian Cage. You deserve it, chance from the crowd, quite right. Um, he thanks them, Garcia does. He says a few months ago, it was lowest. He had this losing streak, of course, and he was in the Continental Classic. But he said, all I need was three seconds. And he got it, he did it in that final match. That changed everything. Um, every time he got down on himself, the fans picked him up and they thanked them again for restoring his confidence. Uh, he said, look, last week I'd have made Copeland tap out. Um, and he promises that's not the last time they're going to see each other. Uh, and he says he's got a message for Christian Cage. That was a bit ominous, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. He's got a message for Christian Cage. And out comes Cage with all the patriarchy. Um, and uh, Nick Wayne is there. Boo me! A mother! <laughs> More mic time, please. Um, Cage says... Uh, by the way, Adam Copeland's never going to end another TNT title shot. And uh, he's the reason you were in harm's way, Daniel. Um... He says, I don't think I should wrestle you at Revolution. Um, you're not ready. You've got these constant distractions like dancing and catering to the fans. It's going to keep you from being great, that. And then you see that glint is in his eye, and he says, been doing some research into uh, your childhood. Not another one. <laughs> that's exactly what I thought. I, thought. I, don't, I, I don't think I was like, I can't use the button. That feels insensitive. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, a shout-out to uh, Sean Ross Sapp, who Googled the address that was said, because people are like, oh, is that, it's a graveyard. Yeah. It's a grave. Yeah, so, he says, I know about your dark childhood, he brings up uh, Jackie Garcia from Buffalo, married to da uh, David Garcia, your dad, who's dead. I uh, believe it. <laughs> he says, be a fairy tale ending for you to win the TNT title in tribute to your father, but we both know your father was a piece of crap, loser, alcoholic. Uh, unlike your dad, Cage says, I don't want to hurt you. I want you to realize your full potential. Um, I don't want to be your opponent. I want to be your father. And Garcia is furious, obviously, at all this. He says, you know, you mentioned my mother again. Uh, and if you like, seems you like bringing up my dad, why don't you get in the ring? I'll put you in the ground right next to him. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love that. Um, and Cage is like, to Nick Wayne, he jumps in. He immediately gets put in the dragon tame. I love that. Get him, son. Gets in, oh, bollocks. Right, yeah. kill switch, you go. Kill switch comes down, but before he can get involved, Matt Menard nails him with a chair, gets in there next to Garcia. They stand tall, and uh, Cage says he doesn't want to hurt Garcia. He just wants to guide him, and he just decides against it and holds up that TNT title. I watch a segment like this, and I'm thinking about AEW, yeah. I'm thinking we're back. Oh, my God. This was so great. This is absolutely amazing on so many different levels. So you've built up Garcia, you've rehabbed him all to this moment. That in itself is a twist because he didn't think Copeland wasn't going to mm. go for the TNT title. So there's been twists and turns quite unpredictable along the way, but they all make a perfect amount of sense. So it's like you've gone away from that really solid formula that AEW had developed 
alongside its terrible sports entertainment flirtations <sighs> last yeah. year. So this feels like proper episodic TV. This feels like real great character work. And Daniel Garcia was every kind of a great baby face here. Every single kind of a great baby face. I could not have been more like impressed by what he did end-to-end in this segment. It was fantastic. So the first thing he does is... He's got a bit of belief and conviction behind himself and his words to Adam Copeland, his intention that he, his intent that he would have won and all the rest of it. But he's like this really humble dude who just like thanked the fans for sticking mm. with him um, during the lowest ebb of his career. He has this inc- this incredible reveal that I was like, I cannot believe it's happened again in AEW, which is like a total gut punch. But like it never like even descended to go into like like that maudlin mm. self pity because the fire with that unbelievable line was incredible so daniel garcia he's not like the most like he's not the best rhythm and cadence in this outwardly megastar mm. broad charisma but he's got that bret hart appeal where you can believe everything he says and he believes it this sort of low-key conviction in everything he mm-hmm. says similar to bret hart He's got this appeal, and he's built it through th- for years through his work. We've talked a lot about how, unlike so many young wrestlers, he will actually make deliberate, unforced errors because he realizes, I'm 25, I'm a decade away from becoming great, like most wrestlers do when they hit their mid-30s. I've got loads of time to improve. Loads of space given to himself to like be great, if that mm. makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. He's the only one who kind of... I've described it as like a worked young lion excursion where he's clever enough to realize I've got years of this left. If I can be like a bit flawed now, how much is it going to mean when it all starts to Mm. click? And now we're at that time where it's all starting to click for him. So he's got this unbelievable sympathy where you just, he's failed so often. It's time. You want it to come together for him. So he's got that completely different in the West level of sympathy and fan investment Mm -hmm. that no one except him has been clever enough to try and sort of draw from. He's got that Bret Hart appeal. And before it becomes a little bit too, I don't know, trying not to slander Bret Hart here. (laughs) Before it gets a little bit too cool as a customer, businessman-like, he showed that fire with that line. Like, every kind of great babyface, I fell in love with Daniel Garcia. Like, I kind of have been for a while. But my God, how how could you not fall for him? How could you not want to see him win that title after this? It's absolutely brilliant. And Christian Cage was a complete and utter twat. <laughs> yes. he, or, or, you understand, he understood the assignment. All yeah. he had to do was be Christian Cage here. This and was absolutely unbelievable. You know what's another great thing? And I'd like to think that this was a planned detail all along and not just this wonderful bit of happenstance. Maybe they've be, they may be... And this is right. You know when back in 2020, in 2019, and to an extent 2021, we were talking about just that level of detail and that thought, and you think, am I giving this promotion too much credit, or are they simply that goddamn good at this? This is on that tier, the following take. It's like, I don't even care if I'm wrong. It's nice to be able to be this invested. Like, if the idea is right, we are going to at some point incorporate the fact that Daniel Garcia's dad died when he was young, presumably, mm-hmm. right? Let's keep that in reserve and do something with it. Has Daddy Magic this whole time been this, like, proper father figure to Daniel Garcia? Maybe, yeah. On commentary, 
bigging them up, saying, like, I demand more out of you. Stop dancing. We were taking the piss. Because I was saying all along, isn't it weird how, like, the sports entertainer like, is brilliant as a jackass, Danny yes. Magic. But what a sharp pivot to, like, being this sort of, you need to start wrestling, Daniel <laughs> Garcia. We were like, you're, you're telling him that? Yeah. The pathos from that relationship now is quite incredible. And the the, the thought process to have, because I saw some people saying, like, oh, yeah, really good booking of Daniel Garcia there. Christian Cage slags off his family and he does nothing. To, to die. It's like, well, what's he going to do? Jump out of the ring and get, oh, beaten up. That's the whole point. I will, just... I will say, I, I hate the invisible wall, yeah, but, but, like, sometimes you have to let wrestling happen. And I've said it a million yeah. times at this point. The episodic TV format, is inherently flawed. Yeah. Sometimes you have to have mates, sometimes they don't come out because you need to get the heat. It's inconsistent by design. But uh, in, in uh, to talk a little bit more about Daddy Magic, yes, Cage is going to say the worst possible things to try and bait him in so his heavies can destroy him before we even get to the pay-per-view, as he's done with Copeland. Um but I like the idea that Daddy Magic, Daddy Magic's not like Daddy Magic. Is, is, is that who's that? He's not going to be there. <laughs> he's not going to be there to 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 steal steal any spotlight from him when he's having, like you say, having this great moment. But they've, it's a smart baby face. He's gone. You don't need to be out there stood next to me. But we know they're a group, the patriarchy. Christian Cage doesn't go out there and go. I'll just handle this myself. Yeah. So if he sends in Kill Switch. Just be, just be ready. Just think, like, just this is a smart thing of like, you don't have to have ten of them out there to try and beat the numbers back or whatever. But yeah, Daddy Magic, like you say, father figure, he'll probably try and get you. And it's not just him; it's Kill Switch. It's yeah. uh, you know Nick Wayne. So yeah, I really liked all of this, and I'm really excited to see the match. This is another one of those matches where they've added something that we oh, were anticipating I, it, but it's still. I was anticipating something like it. I was dreading a three way. Yeah, uh, my God, I'm so invested in this now. It's one of the things I'm most looking forward to on this ridiculous card. Mm. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Uh, Renee Paquette is backstage with uh, one half of the uh, the three on three match later. Uh, Hangman Page, Rob Van Dam, and Hook. Uh, Page getting a little bit of an arsehole here. He's like, "Tonight's full of opportunities. Hook, you can get revenge and you know actually win." 
uh, RVD. You can get revenge on Swerve Strickland, who you should have beaten. Um, and, you know, if you'd done that a few weeks ago, we wouldn't even have to be here. But regardless, you go and do that. And RVD says, look, I wasn't happy about that, obviously. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> I need a bit of this explaining, actually. He says, is Prince, Prince Nana going to be there? Because he might have something I'm interested in. What could he possibly be referencing? Uh, you see, it has been intimated that Prince Nana mm. likes to... Uh, stand already. <laughs> and uh, and we know that Rob Van Dam Does he? Is he partaker of the old uh, Devil's Lettuce? But he is, I yeah. didn't realise that. You didn't realise uh, that. All uh, right, well, he is. Oh. Anyway, uh, Paige just storms off uh, off the back of this. Uh, and then we get Timeless Tony Storm. Ton- toneless Timey Storm. Correct. Uh, versus Sydney Winnell uh, in a very brief squash match. Um but one of two women's matches on that. One of them is a squash, it doesn't count. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I saw some people saying that. Like, well, that's, that's that thing, guys. Okay, come on. Just think l- deeply about it. Or a little bit more deep. And the process. I mean, I understand why they did them the way that they did. But the fact they're like, if we're going to do two, we better cram them right in there next to each other. Um, yes. Um, Sydney got a few shots in, but it was mainly Tony Storm. Uh, corner splash, bulldog, sweet cheek music, storm zero. She puts her in the break a leg submission, great name, and uh, transitions to the Venus de Milo, of course. Uh, to be honest, yeah, the break leg's good. Yeah, um, gets the submission victory. Gets helped out of the ring by helped out of the ring by Luther. She's gone for about two minutes there, um, but as she's doing that, Deonna's music hits. She walks down. She's Tony's face is furiously stealing the spotlight. We get that brilliant like. I don't know how they do this so quickly. Right, they're crossing. Now that suddenly becomes black and white, and that suddenly becomes uh, colour. I also like the fact that Taz covered for Tony going, bollocks, when he's get out of the way from Madison Rain's entrance, so she just runs off. And he's like, oh, must be in a pretty bad mood. Get off the the stage so we can have Madison Rain's entrance. And we got Deanna Parazzo versus Madison Rain. Um, Early on, Parazzo in control, obviously. Miss direct leg sweep. She sends Rain to the outside. Hits her with a baseball slide that takes us to a break. I don't know what place we can come to now, though. We come back, back and forth. Right, so was she going for a flatliner? It was a flatliner. And Madison Rain over-rotated, I'll say, and landed right on her head and neck. It looked horrible. You'll have seen this shared all over social media. The ref checks on Rain, um, and Paulson is like, she's okay, but... Should we maybe, because Parazzo basically immediately put her in the Tony Storm break-a-leg submission to get the victory. Um, Tony Storm's back post-match. She eats a pump kick by Deanna, but Luther runs distraction, so she can attack Deanna Parazzo from behind and put her in the submission and wrench on it until she finally lets it go uh, and puts on a boatload of lipstick whilst looking insane at Deanna. Oh, boy. Um, I will say that I didn't hate the idea of Tony and Deanna trading one another's submissions. The whole idea now is that they're inextricably linked through their history, through the ink and ink and their bodies, and now their movesets is meant to feel like an intimate war that you can't call. And they've explored this dynamic really quite well. There's no comment on the Tony Storm thing. It was just yes. to facilitate the backdrop. I'm in two minds here, genuinely, because... Is our two women's matches... The, the rule now, not to move the goalpost too much, but I agree with Sidge that 
you can't say, well, they did two women's matches. No, it doesn't count, man. It has to be what? They both have to be at least two minutes. Well, I mean, it's just not two women's one, matches, is it? Thank you. It was, it was one combined angle, the one goal of which was to do the tr- submission trade-off. Yeah. It was essentially one match. It was essentially one story, and it was one of them was a squad. This They've, was not two women's matches. This is not the sort of thing we've been talking about for the past my life. Yeah, they have had two women's matches on Dynamite in the past, but the it last time... Ca- it doesn't count. The last time it happened was over two years ago, and even then, that was, I'm fairly certain, a Jade Cargill yes, squash and a Serena yes, D. We don't have, even have to entertain the idea that this counts. It does not count. Oh boy, I'm in two minds here, right? Because I really don't want to kick someone when they're down. The obvious yeah. the obvious thing, and I'm very earnest when I say this, is best wishes to Madison Rain, and I really hope she's okay. That looked horrifying. But my God, like, I made a point earlier this week, if you remember... You won't because you were not in on Monday. But on the SmackDown <laughs> review, I made the point of saying, like, more people should point out just how awful some of the work is in WWE TV matches because I don't think people who are into that sort of thing or care much about that sort of thing watch WWE in general. But I just think it's not remotely possible. It's like it's just not acceptable how piss poor some of it is when it's the market leader and it's meant to be this white-hot promotion that gets a lot of glowing praise for its creative. So I've got a massive... Be in my bonnet about that, and then this is worse. This is worse. This mm. is this is outside of NXT and maybe including NXT, the worst worked match you'll ever see this year on this stage. That doesn't involve Maxine Dupree. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not being funny. I I, I don't want to go like put it this way. Let it be known on the record uh, that this is possibly the worst worked match I've seen all year. I don't want to go too specific because the obvious human response is. Madison Rain, I hope you're okay. Yeah, yeah. But just to point out one bit, like this weird standing clothesline bit before the STO, it's like, what are you doing? Like there was no mechanical intent behind what's meant to hurt in professional wrestling. The strikes, the roll-up for a pin, applying pressure. There was no mechanical sort of principle mm-hmm of how wrestling should hurt or what you should intend to do to make it seem like you're going to hurt someone in this match whatsoever. And I'll just leave it at that. Oof. Yeah, not great. Um, before we move on, um, and before we even get to the name of the game, before we get to the, to the aim of the game, which we're still playing because... No, it's just for fun, it's this. just for fun, this. Um, but what? Yeah, what is the what is the aim of the game? Yeah, the aim of the game is to identify to the hour, minute, and second the first time you hear the first note for the first entrance theme for the first woman to come out for the first of two women's matches <laughs> on Dynamite, just to italicize, underscore, and put in bold just how obligatory and self-contained and apathetic and done for the optics this AEW women's division is. For now, mm. at the moment, it's usually in that 120 to 125 sweet spot. And it's usually it's just the same old crap every single week. Very, very indifferent. Mm. And just remember, uh, AEW kind of had this little uh, mentality, which we articulate via jingle, uh, to let you know what's really going on here. And not to worry, guys. <laughs> the women won't be out here that long. And the men will be out. Uh, the real important men will be on after them. And that jingle is when the women come out to play, the main event ain't too far away. That's the aim of the game. Of course. <laughs> and the name of the game is... Well, this is ladies' night, and I'm thinking... Uh, what a night. Huh? Two women's matches. 
Why do I have to change it up every week? <laughs> I don't know. I don't you know made this run your own back. I don't know why I have to do this. Uh, I completely forgot. Book what? two feature length. That's it. F***ing matches <laughs> involving women on this show going forward so I don't have to torture myself. I'm hoping that uh, Jen Pepperman is going to be a good influence on that sort of thing. You'd hope so. Yeah, you'd hope so. And connections with Mercedes, of course. What were our uh, guesses for this? I don't think I recorded. Sorry. So I've just done that jingle completely in vain. I only recorded Willborn on my uh, text to myself. Uh, The uh, combined match length. Yeah, I don't remember if we said that. I'm just going through my notes, my messages here, and how bleak. Usually Messenger and WhatsApp's popping. You know, not my text messages, but I've got my Google verification, a text message I sent to myself <laughs> for the purpose of making notes. Then I've got a PayPal security code. Then I've got my wife. Then I've got Best Pizza Jarro, 20% off online voucher. Nice. And then... Should you go to your pizza order? Oh, now I've got another Google verification in the sky telling me I've used most of my data allowance. Oh, I hate that. My go-to pizza order. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> right, what I do is I don't really go to Best Pizza Jarrow. That's my kebab place. Ah. That's when I go to see the boss man. For pizza, when I'm not going to, like, a nice one, mm-hmm. basically I live in a place which doesn't really have, like, your big Neapolitan pizza mm-hmm. fancy places in a city center on demand of a satellite satellite town kind of guy. So there's not really it's it's usually you know that same UK pizza takeaway box. That's the pizza you get. It's so that at Domino's. So I go to Domino's. Do you wanna know what I do? I create my own Kiev. Chicken strips, uh-huh. ham, garlic spread. Domino's herbs and spices. That sounds great. I've never. I should try that. It's a sensation. That is awesome. Uh, shout out to uh, <laughs> uh, Adam Blair at Adam Wilson Four and Jose Palomares at Aho Eleven. We always take care of the um, data for this sort of thing. Uh, yeah, one hour four minutes and sixteen seconds is when I think the first like Tony thing dropped. I think I said one twenty twenty four or something. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah, I said. Oh, Jose's got my guess. I said one hour eighteen forty nine. So yeah, just I just got a little Techn- bit on the technicality of one. However, again, that doesn't count. We yeah, it was just just fun. We did also both agree. No sh- no shot. Both these matches go over ten minutes, and yeah, combined they went nine minutes and eleven seconds. So who won? I think you won. I said eight forty two. So yeah, <sighs> but yeah, I knew <sighs> it. Yeah, fair minimum feature like you say feature length is the right right word to use. I, was, I said. Both matches have to go a minimum of two minutes, and they both have to go a combined ten minutes plus. It doesn't count. It does not count. Anyway, uh, Darby Allen and Sting. Oh my god! Uh, Darby Allen's cut this promo. He says all material object job objects we chase we think define us. Doesn't mean a damn thing. And uh, he shows off photos of Sting with his sons. Um, when they were the same age as the young books as children are now. And he says, the only thing that matters in the end is family. Um, and he didn't say it like that. Uh, Sting walks into shot and says, look, in all my years of wrestling, no one's ever messed with my family. Trivialize this <laughs> of all the books. You complete wanker. <laughs> um, yeah, no one's ever messed with his family until the books. Sting says a lot's been going on over the last few weeks. He lost his father, which is awful. Um, 
That makes him think about his own mortality. He used to think he was invincible, but time catches up to everyone. It's certainly catching up to him. He realized he's not invincible, but everything he has left in him, he is bringing to Revolution Siege. Uh, the books have a fight on their hands, the fight of their lives. What a promo. This is absolutely incredible. Um, promo of the year for me so far. Not that that's like promo exchange, Cody and Punk probably. He's yeah. got that down, but in terms of an individual delivery to tell a story and how to execute it, oh my God, Jesus Christ, like what a pretty twisted cosmic joke of the whole sting motivation going into the match based on the storyline development two weeks ago was to fight on behalf of his family and defend their honor, and then his dad dies, Jesus Christ. But he was able to incorporate that very real grief of his hero dying, his dad dying, and then fold into the family aspect ahead of the match. Jesus Christ, it was like incredible, absolutely unbelievable performance from Sting, who somehow, it was the paint and the lighting, somehow managed to feel like that mythological entity, this ageless being. The exact thing, yeah. And him at his most human at the exact same time. His eyes through it. This was so mm. unbelievably powerful from the delivery, the content, the inspiration to meld those two things together to the aesthetic, to the atmosphere. Jesus Christ, this was absolutely overwhelmingly great. One of the best things you'll see on wrestling television maybe ever. I could not, like, you don't want to have to hear a promo like this. You don't. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to do it under these circumstances, he could not have done a better goddamn job. You know what is always written about Prime, Jake Roberts, and On Anderson, about how that low voice, that ominous menace, can sometimes be so much more scary for the opponent than, like, that aggressive rant. We've got the best of both worlds because Wardlow's aggressive rant mm. imminently was fantastic as well. But everything they write about Prime, On Anderson... And Prime Jake Roberts, Sting articulated here how haunting that delivery was. You could not escape thinking the young bucks at Revolution are in deep, deep shit. Mm. Unbelievable this was. And again, it's not the kind of promo you ever wish to hear again. No. But my God, if you have to do it, do it like this. This is so affecting and so powerful. Yeah. Great. Uh, and then, yeah, we followed that with uh, with Wardlow coming out. He's not happy. He uh, tells Shimon to get out of his ring before he knocks him on his old ass again. Uh, he says, two years ago, thousands of people were chanting my name in a manner that hasn't been heard or seen in decades. Uh, but the rocket strapped to my back was put on upside down. I've been screwed time after time. Um, you'd think the one homegrown AW megastar would have been champion for a long time now, but he's never received a world title shot, something uh, the people in the back should be thrown in jail for. Uh, he referenced best in the world. He referenced real world champion. And he says that person's body's still falling apart because of him. Oh, my God. Uh, he said how he squashed MJF, how no one else has. And he choked out Samoa Joe and said that suits and shiny titles look better on him than they do on Joe. He is the uncrowned king of AEW. It's time he starts eating like one. He's everything a world champion is supposed to be. And if anyone wants to get in his way, this is no longer wrestling. This is war mostly positively awesome stuff from Wardlow here I am going to be a dick I am going to do some critiques of this before I just put it over right firstly right there's one or two things that have 
led to the fact that Wardlow never made it to that level, right? In real life. See, the Wardlow or it's AEW, right? In kayfabe, if you recall, back in 2022, back when Wardlow was, like, on top of the world, like, he was as over as he said in this promo he was, and he had no hyperbole whatsoever. This guy was white hot. Like, seriously, why isn't he the champion? White hot, right? If you recall, when he was at his most white hot in 2022, the double or nothing thing could have gone better, and we know the narrative surrounding the mm-hmm. match with MGF, right? But also, the week, well, days after double or nothing, CM Punk injures his foot, and he's out for the foreseeable, and an interim title is created. If you recall, they tried, basically the whole idea was they didn't get, they didn't capitalize on Wardlow enough, mm. given the TNT title and not the world. That was probably not the best decision. Or maybe it was because maybe Wardlow didn't rise up to it. Who knows? It's history now. But they are exhuming that history, and maybe it wasn't the best idea. Because if you recall, Wardlow himself said, was it a battle royal? It was Moxley versus the winner of a battle royale goes to face Hiroshi Tanahashi at the first forbidden door for the interim AEW world title. Yes. And Kyle O'Reilly won that battle royale. And he had that awesome match with Moxley. Moxley won, beats Tanahashi, becomes the interim champion, right? I remember there was a lot of, who's in this battle royal at the time? Like, Hangman Page wasn't in it, even though he just lost it. And Wardlow wasn't in it. And enough people were like, why isn't Wardlow of all people going for this title after the mm. year he's had? And they, I think, tried too hard to say, oh, he's not ready yet. We don't want him to do it yet. And he came out and said, I don't want the interim. It's not real. It's Wardlow's fault that he didn't get it. Mm. Speaking to uh, Murray about this, and he was like, well, he is a heel. And I was like, you know what? That's a really good Mm. point. But for me, it's kind of his own fault. This is kind of his own fault to a degree. Like in the fiction, the Wardlow character said, I don't want that title. This happened. If it's like they're doing a work shoot kayfabe thing of the, this company's incompetent and they didn't reward me when I should have been rewarded, guys, you're just earning people's trust yes, back. Yes. It's so hard to get it back. It's so much easier to gain. I got it double or nothing, 2019. I was like, this is it. This is everything I've kind of wanted in wrestling. It's not perfect, but I feel like it can mm. be. Now it's going to take ages to really get the trust back properly. Don't do cell phones like this. It's no. not a good idea. One more, so the logic's one thing, right? One minor critique about the delivery, there was one moment where I was like, a bit of cringe, because it was like, you know, well, you know it, because he used to do it. You know, arm dram, uh, yes. amateur dramatics, mm-hmm. and you see actors trying to do it, and sometimes it's a bit cringeworthy. I've had theatre mates my whole life. Most of them are really great. Some of them are genuinely class. It's a shame, but it's just a hard, really competitive, (laughs) shut up, a really competitive um, industry to make it in. When there's very few... podcasting, if anything. Very few things are more cringeworthy than an Amdram guy really going for it. And when he was talking about the nicknames of the people who he never mentioned by name. So he never mentioned CM Punk by name. I think maybe he should have. Didn't mention MGF by name. Um, But you know who he was talking about... Um, so he's talking about Joe Punk and MJF, basically. So he's talking about how some men call themselves the best, some are better than you, and some of them are gods. God was in a reference to Samoa Joe. And he went, some of them. 
He looked skyward. Some of them are gods. It's like that's a. I think I've seen that in uh, the the Heat and Community Theatre. <laughs> so that wasn't good. Beyond that one reading, which was uh, not good, the f***ing intensity on this guy. <laughs> I was like, stay out of that f***ing way because he's going to kill you. Yeah. I was like, and I've wanted that intense mm. meathead going to kill you. Like, I'm scared of you, Mr. Wardlow. Please do not take this out on me. He's needed that energy for the last two years, and he... Got it, and he bottled it. What's just falling over there? Oh, that would be, uh, be your book, uh, Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW, that uh, we'd put in the place I of put Michael Hamlet. I put Wardlow over to the hilt in that, if you want to read about it. If, you, if you've got a renewed interest in Wardlow, now that he's seemingly back in the mix as a major player in AEW, you can read all about his rise <laughs> in my book, Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW. Where do you live? Yep, you can get it on Amazon. Delivers to the world. <laughs> um, any issue with... Oh, 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 what kind of words do you like, though, Nicholas? Oh, oh sorry. Something Passionate. Passionate. Yeah. Insightful ones. We're in love. That's 120,000 of them in there. Oh, yeah. You've got 120,000 in this bad boy. <laughs> Back in the hole. Back in the book hole. Um, Unless you want to try and put it up there. No, it's definitely... Good. Well, I'll... Oh, I'll no, you're a failure, so yeah. you're not going to do it. Um... Any issue with, because I saw some people moaning about this on social media. You had the Derby stuff last week. You've got Wardlow here. Any issue with them referencing WWE stars now? No. No. I thought not. I thought I'd just check. You could probably overdo it. Yeah. Like, well, this isn't the Voodoo Kin Mafia, is it? That's a really good comparison. Yeah. It's not. If it gets as bad as that, I'll hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Funny you mentioned that, by the way. Because Billy Gunn was part of that, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, bang, bang, scissor gang. They had a 12-man tag victory on Rampage last week. Oh, are, they, are they going for the cover to 12-man titles? <laughs> Don't suggest it, for Christ's sake. What are they doing this for? It's so contrived. Um, Daddy Ass apologizes for colliding with Jay White in that match. Uh, and Jay White suggests that... Him, what the hell's that? Some kind of mid-corner? <laughs> Jay White, Austin Gunn, and Daddy Ass are going to be in the Collision Cowboys on Saturday. And Bowen says, it doesn't matter the combo. Everyone loves the acclaimed bang-bang. Skip to the end. Clearly, they're going to unify these titles. So oh. skip to the end and just get the feud over and done with and get um, Billy Gunn out of my ring. Well, save that because we're going to talk about it on the Collision Preview tomorrow as well. I've got something to cheer you up now. Don Callis, that's not what's going to cheer you up necessarily. Oh, really. But what was mentioned here, Will. Renee, oh, uh, oh, yeah. Don Callis is with Renee Paquette. And uh, Callis is... Uh, there's a nice, great uh, hype package for Osprey, and he's going to be there next week. Well, that's four seconds. Wasn't a good hype package. Well, yeah. It, it was crap. For what it was, I got briefly very excited, and then I was disappointed it was over so soon. Um, They're not very good at, like, selling themselves. <laughs> it is only Will Osprey, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Yeah. Anyway, Osprey to Kester, obviously, Revolution, despite the fact they're both in the family. Uh, Callis talks about Rev Pro and da 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 da. Um, he called Sammy Guevara a flying the ointment and a little cook who Meat Madness, Powerhouse Hobbs, and himself are going to deal with on Rampage, right? I genuinely thought for a split second he'd given Powerhouse Hobbs a new nickname, Meat Madness. No, I subsequently realized 
there is going to be a match at AW Revolution called Meat Madness. I mean, it couldn't have been pitched at a more perfect time considering I'm interviewing Big E later on today. So far, we know I think Hobbs and uh, Wardlow are the only two meaty men in it. But, but what the hell's this? I love it, but what the hell is it? I mean, it sounds absolutely awesome. I hope it's not a battle royal. Okay. Don't do a battle royal just exclusively comprised of meaty men. Mm. I hope it's like a one fall to a finish. That would suggest that would be mad, right? There's nothing mad about a battle royal. It's the oldest, most normal stipulation ever. I want madness. I want about eight of them. Eight of your biggest horses in a one fall to a finish match, just basically trading these unbelievable feats of strength, struggling to do it at times, mm. maybe doing it to two of them at once, maybe catching the meat mm. and then throwing the meat to the canvas off the top turnbuckle. I want madness. I want a battle royal here. I want, no. I want meat madness. I've been promised meat madness. <laughs> so I want meat madness. Uh, Wardlow. Yeah. Powerhouse Hobbs. Mm-hmm. If it's one fall to a finish and you don't have to pin everyone, allegedly Miro could be involved in this and just not take the fall. Allegedly, I don't know if that's his problem. Yes. Or if there is a problem. Wardlow, Hobbs, Miro. The Butcher. Of course. Nick Comorato could be in it. Yeah. He could bring his wooden chair back. Yeah, yes, please. Lance Archer. Yeah. He's not like meaty. Oh, but he'll... He's more like... uh, Tenderloin. Mm, yeah. Like a pork tenderloin. It's like a big slab of beef. Like a pork shoulder. Mm-hmm. But there's a space for a tenderloin of meat madness. Who else? <laughs> Bill, oh, Bill, yes. Oh Big Bill's God. a great shout. Oh, my God. Who else? Uh, I mean, Satnam Singh jumps into my head because he's massive. I mean, he is, he is pretty big. How many did you book? Eight. Eight. You could do five. It's just like, a, like, remember when the Fed in 2017 just did these, like, four- and five-man yeah. matches and that SummerSlam and main bro- event. They, bro- they broke the scale when they hit the five, didn't they? Anything yeah, yeah. Four yeah. Way, SummerSlam 2017 main event. Maybe you need quality over quantity, and that's what you should do with meat in general. Mm. Like, you want a nice, you know, you want a nice fillet steak. Nice filet mignon. Hager? When the f*** has Jake Hager <laughs> ever been confused <laughs> with filet mignon? I thought I had to ask. Kebab. Kebab. No, it's not a kebab to you. But yeah. That's the, mm, you could do a kebab match. Because kebab, you get, a, you get a lot of low-quality meat. Yeah. Oh, my God, Brian Cage. Yeah. yeah. That's some tasty meat right there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really. I want to know what it is, but I'm very excited about this. <laughs> oh, just a piece of meat with a face drawn on it. It wouldn't surprise me. It would be very AW if they had some of the actual meat in it. Omaha steaks. I mean, it would be it. incredibly. They'd have to cook it first, wouldn't they? Get rid of the bacteria. Sorry, it's ham flip back. <laughs> Too busy jacking it at the pun. <laughs> but yeah, looking forward to, to whatever the hell Meat Madness is going to be. It's be the best pay-per-view of all time. Can't wait to watch them beat their meat. Um, right, main event time. It's uh, somehow Joe Swerve and Brian Cage. <laughs> There's a Hangman Hook and uh, RVD. Um, 
<laughs> no, I'm completely... Just read the thing. Uh, it's in March, right? Yes. Yes. Ooh. There's too many M's, so no. There's <laughs> too many M's. You're allowed to. You're allowed to. You're allowed to. You're allowed to the same letter. Yeah. March Meat Madness. I don't know what March Madness is. It's like a tournament, isn't it? The Who's got the... Yeah. I like that. There's not enough time, really, on TV, though. Just put six matches. Six horse matches. Six horse fights. On, oh, my God. Do six... Do six horse fights on Dynamite next week. Yeah. That's 12. And then the six go to Filiam Mignon, me madness. Works for me. There you go, Tony. We've booked it for you. Fixed it. Yeah. Uh, Hook wanted to start off against Joe. Uh, and Joe reminded him why that was a bad idea. Chucking him around. Uh, he was loving that. Hook decided to switch to body shots. Hit a flying clothesline. That took Joe down. Um... They get out of there. Eventually, Paige made a blind tag to come face-to-face with Swerve. He was he couldn't really care less about this match. He just wanted to get his hands on Swerve Strickland. Um, and I like the fact that in this three-on-three, at one point, Hook and Cage did the whole, leave it, mate, he's not worth it, in the middle of the match for, to take us to break because it was Cage and Paige, I think, were the legal men. When we come back, uh, Hook's got Brian Cage in a delayed vertical suplex for a two-count. Cage wants a Death Valley driver, but Hook counters that with a DDT. We get an RVD hot tag. Paige is just pissed off. He's he's not the one who get it. Uh, RVD runs wild, though. Rolling Thunder on Strickland. Five-star frog splash on Cage. Gets a two-count. Um, but Joe argues with the ref to allow Strickland to blindside Paige on the apron with a running boot as we go to another break. When we come back, Paige and Cage make the double tag, uh, and Paige doesn't go after Cage. He runs straight straight at Strickland um, and uh, drops him, and then he hits Cage with a hurricane runner. Um, Paige hit a pump kick to counter a Strickland rolling flatliner. When we get inside, um, Paige hits a DVD on Cage. Joe's there hit with a running boot, though, and everything breaks down. Big moves from everyone. Uh, and Paige has the option. He can either he's on the outside. He can either hit a book shot on Brian Cage, but Strickland's behind him, and he can go for that big moon salt of his. He chooses Strickland, but Cage manages to cut him off before that can happen. Uh, Hook gets in there. There's a Tower of Doom spot. Hook puts uh, Cage in red rum, um, but there's a blind tag to Joe, who uh, well comes in. Hook eats a pop up power bomb by Cage and a brutal house call by Swerve. Paige flies in with a book shot though. And we're left with the three men who are going to fight for the world title uh, next weekend. Joe, Swerve, and Hangman. Um, Strickland and Joe team up for now. They're on the same uh, team, of course, to take out Paige. He rolls to the floor. Joe hits a tope. Strickland goes for a pump kick off the apron, but Paige moves, and he hits Joe with it, of course. Uh, Paige then powerbombs Swerve off the apron through the announce table and tells him to stay down, effectively. Goes to the bookshop back inside. Joe ducks it. Snap power slam gets a two. RVD takes out Cage with a slingshot splash and makes the tag. Um, Joe's waiting for him, but he doesn't see Hook waiting. He eats an exploder off Hook. Um, RVD goes up for the five-star, but Cage shoves him off and he bounces off the ropes. Uh, He wipes out Hook with a discus lariat. Joe puts the Kokina clutch on RVD, who fades and passes out. And the, uh, the the Joe... Uh, Swerve and Cage get the victory. Slight bit of concern at the end. Mm. Joe's holding up the AW title. Strickland's looking on with Nana next to him, of course. And Paige, I rewound this, seems to be telling the cameraman to not shoot him. And not in a, 
I'm not ready or, uh, you know, I'll make it about them moment in a, I'm holding my ankle. Don't show me. I really hope he's not injured. Yeah, I know. Me too. He's a deceptively big guy, Paige. And I've worried about his knees off and on because he loves the backflip and mm. he's a, he's genuinely a madman, Hangman Page, as well. <laughs> so, yeah, I really hope he's doing um, okay and that he's good to go for Revolution. Uh, go, uh, uneven yes, is how I would fair. describe this match. So I'll go through the bad and I'll go through the good just to leave you on a happy note. Bad, okay, is that... Right, you know when you watch these long double heat trios matches on Collision, starring FTR, <laughs> and the last one was incredible. Yeah. Like, absolutely unbelievable. Like, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of what I can, what I sometimes scan as self-indulgence, but for that specific match structure, a very long trios match, like, FTR are built for it mm-hmm. because they are so great at these incredibly intricate elaborate sequences where there's so much stuff to remember and their rate and their timing and their positioning and their just ability to be able to just bang 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 do it is unbelievable and they've got engines the mm. stamina on ftr they've probably got the most like the best stamina they have got to be top 10 in the world at just their ability mm-hmm. to just they're like engines they are machines as nick jackson i think once called them the problem is that rvd doesn't have that stamina and hook doesn't have that ability to be you know it's just it's not yet muscle memory hmm. for him because he hasn't worked the schedule he hasn't got the reps so between rvd and hook being in this specific match it just didn't have that flow it didn't have that relentless excitement mm-hmm. it didn't have that how the hell do you know where to be at all times? Just it, it was quite awkward and janky at points. Um, even Page wasn't perfect in this match, apart from when he was, and he's the best, and I don't want him to be a heel. <laughs> he had this really awkward... before The bit before, um, he decides, I can either go for the win here, or I could just get a Swerve Strickland. And it was a really cool idea to be on the apron, mm. so he's literally... It's sort of the nexus point between those two decisions. You can either go fly into the ring to get a Brian Cage or fly out of it with the Orihara to get to um, mm. Swerve. What a wonderful bit of like intramatch storytelling. Choose your own adventure yeah, in a mid-match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So well done. That's the kind of brilliance that I associate with Hangman Page. But even before then, you had to get under the apron and him and Brian Cage were like, guys, the fucking apron. Mm. Like, now... It was just, like, really awkward. And then Hangman Page does that head scissors earlier to Brian Cage and the kip-up, and you're like, I can never boo you. <laughs> Not only do I, like, have a fortunate emotional connection parasocially with uh, Hangman Page at this point, even if I hadn't, it's just so great as this kinetic, mm. explosive baby face and just gets the crowd up. Like, he's just awesome. Uh, this heel turn. I think you'll do a great job of something that probably won't work. If that makes any sense, yeah. that's he's just too. It won't be for lack of trying. He's brilliant at his job, and he's been a heel before. But my God, he's just too. He's, he's a baby face mm. through and through. As Hangman Page, blinded so like, by his hatred of Swerve. Isn't yeah, he? that's the thing. He's not. He's not a bad guy. He's just desperate to yeah. do any. And that's probably going to play into the match at Revolution. Like he gonna, probably could have. He probably yeah. could win the world title, but he just wants to lay uh, the boon to Swerve one more yeah. time. Probably that is how it will um, play out, just how they get there. Um, 
So that was the bad. It was very janky and awkward at points. But the good is, I thought the that nexus point between victory and vengeance was unbelievable. That was a really great creative spot. Um, and to, and I like the idea of all the moving parts, like who can cage ongoing. Uh, Cage and Hangman have had their previous. Page and Swerve will fight forever. There's obviously the world title scene to consider. They've done a lot of work associating Page with RVD and before that Hook. This is all. This is very deft, mm. conceptually deft. Even if it was like eighty percent deft, twenty eighty percent deft, ten percent mm-hmm. these guys teaming with these guys, ten <laughs> percent can they coexist? Yes. But conceptually, I had a really nice time with how this was arranged. That was good. I thought that he got just enough of a glimpse. Not too much. You can't give it away. He got just enough of a glimpse of the three-way revolution that is going to be pretty tit. You <laughs> yeah. didn't get too much, but you got like, oh, that's going to be nice when they come together. Um, hopefully, Hangman Page's ankle is good to go. Fingers crossed about that. It's just a very last second. Oh, no, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> Screen goes off. But um, let us know your thoughts on that match and on the whole show uh, in the comments section below or on X at what culture WWE. Well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. And you can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, as I said. Uh, make sure you follow our brilliant producer at It's Adam Nicholas. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcast from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Me and Sidge will be back tomorrow to preview AEW Collision, of course. Uh, but for now, this is me, Dynamite Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 